Welcome to Unsanctimonious, the podcast where two irreverent pastors explore the Bible using the Revised Common Lectionary while doing their best to be unsanctimonious. What does that mean? Well, if the word sanctimonious means self-righteous, holier-than-thou, smug, falsely pious, pompous, self-satisfied, or prideful, we want to be the opposite of that. Your hosts are Jonathan Kleinsmith and the Reverend Mark Jardine. And even though we're both pastors, we won't pretend to have it all figured out. Spoiler alert, no pastor, theologian, or Bible scholar actually does. But we do believe that God is revealed in the reading of these holy words, and our hope is that by listening to this podcast, you might have an encounter with God as well. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world's all-time best-selling book and see how it might be speaking to us today. All right, and welcome to the Unsanctimonious Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Reverend Jonathan Kleinsmith. With me is Reverend Mark Jardine. Uh, really quickly, Mark, who shot Jr.? That's that's a mystery still today. So, <laughs> someone who didn't like Jr. Yeah, well, and if you've seen the show, you know lots of people have lots of reasons not to like Jr. But in case you're wondering. Why are we talking about a, uh, a a drama from the 1980s? Well, there's a really simple reason for that. Um, we don't really know why. We just started talking about it. We do that. But the reason we're here is to talk about Scripture. We love the Bible. We believe it's a life-changing document and uh, that uh, it contains uh, the, the secret of life, the meaning of life, and uh, the, the Word of God, uh, God's own self. So, um, we like to look at the Bible uh, every week. We look at a passage from the Bible that we get from the Revised Common Lectionary. We ask that passage four questions, and these are the four questions. Uh, what is the ancient problem that these scriptures trying to solve? Basically, what did it mean to the original audience? Uh, what is an ancient solution that these scriptures offer for that uh, situation? What is a modern problem that these scriptures might be speaking to? And uh, what are some modern solutions that uh, the ethic of this scripture might uh, reveal to us? So uh, we are uh, lucky enough today, blessed enough, if you will, to be in the book of Romans, chapter 10. Uh, we're going to be reading from verses 5 through 15. And uh, the translation that we chose for this podcast is the Common English Bible because it is a very readable, easy-to-understand translation. But if you want to use some other translation, that's fine by us, probably. Mark, just from your own personal study, what, what translation do you normally use? I use uh, usually the New Revised Standard or the New International Version a lot. So Yeah, I, but, I like uh, the end. But this the, is a much easier, this is a much easier to read version, and, uh, and I really like it. I just uh, have not used it historically and so i've used those two and i still use those two because i'm a person who loves his ruts <laughs> yeah it's kind of the same thing for me i i, I think uh for a long time i w i like the new international version the niv because that was the bible that i got uh, as a gift in high school and so that's the one i read and then uh you know becoming a methodist pastor the nrsv uh, i grew to love it because we're we're very into that, and, and and I've found other translations that I like as well, and so it's all about uh, the best Bible is the one you'll actually read. Yes. Um, so this comes from the Common English Bible, Romans 10, verses 5 through 15. 
Here we go. Moses writes about the righteousness that comes from the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith talks like this. Don't say in your heart who will go up into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will go down into the region below, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message of faith that we preach. Because if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and in your heart you have faith that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Trusting with the heart leads to righteousness, and confessing with the mouth leads to salvation. The scripture says, all who have faith in him won't be put to shame. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord is Lord of all, who gives richly to all who call on him. All who call on the Lord's name will be saved. So how can they call on someone they don't have faith in? And how can they have faith in someone they haven't heard of? And how can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the good news. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right. So, uh, Mark, we usually let you have first crack at it, uh, mainly because uh, I need another uh, couple minutes to come up with anything decent. So, <laughs> uh, what, what do you think the ancient problem is here that uh, Paul is trying to address? Just a little background, Paul is the writer of the letter to the Romans. Right. You know, I, th I think when you look at the, the passages that surround this, uh, Romans 9 and 11, uh, Paul is addressing, a lot of what he's addressing here is the, the Jewish faith, and how it is so meticulous and strict in the keeping of the Torah and the law. And I think one of the problems is, is that these new believers in Rome, the new uh, Christ followers or Jesus followers in Rome, um, they, they've seen that and they're aware of that. And they probably have a great concern about if they can keep the minutia of the faith that is, is the Jewish roots for now the Jesus movement that they're a part of. And so, so part of what Paul's addressing here is, of course, he's quoting Romans and, I mean, Cody quoting Moses and passage out of Deuteronomy actually is what he's pulling from a lot of this. And uh, he's, uh, uh, he's somewhat saying to them, really what he's saying to them is that, that, uh, you know, uh, don't be, so bogged down in the minutiae that you miss the heart of what the faith is really about. Right. And uh, so I think the problem here is, is that probably I would imagine to those uh, first century Christians in Rome uh, who have been converted, uh, they are really probably pretty overwhelmed when they think about trying to keep the Torah law and what that might mean for them. Now, I don't think Paul's just like throwing the Torah law out the window. Right. Because uh, I'm not thinking he's saying that. I'm thinking he's, 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 there's validity for Paul, of course, from his background for the uh, Torah law is very valid and important. 
but the minutia of it that was uh, at the heart of uh, the Pharisees anyway, and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day uh, is probably going further because there's a piece of it that Paul's saying here that people have missed. And in Jesus, you it's about your heart as much as it's about keeping the minutia of the law. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's uh, that's at the heart of these scriptures. Um, What's kind of interesting is, in a way, uh, Paul is sort of uh, speaking against uh, his his own former actions, right? Like, right. Uh, I was talking about this with my my friend Jimmy Doyle a, a few months ago, um, and uh, uh, you know, Paul's an interesting character because he's not a Jew that's from Jerusalem. He is not a culturally Hebrew uh, Jew. He is a culturally Greek Jew in a lot of ways, right? And so um, he, uh, you know, the Jews throughout their history, they, they were conquered a number of times. And uh, this leads to um, what, what they call the diaspora, um, you know, of, of the Jewish people, which uh, means they were spread out. Literally in the Greek, that means the spreading out of. Um, and uh, so these Jewish communities were spread all throughout the Mediterranean. And a lot of times they end up not speaking Hebrew or Aramaic. They end up being... Uh, Greek-speaking communities, and they even uh, write their own scripture or translate the scripture as they understood it. Right? They they translate the uh, the the Torah uh, into um, a Greek version called the Septuagint. And so, um, but what's interesting about these these Jewish people is that kind of in you know they've got that kind of chip on their shoulder, like we're going to be more Jewish uh, than the people in Judea, right? And so. You kind of see that with Paul uh, before his conversion. Uh, he is like uh, gung-ho uh, about uh, being Jewish to the point where when he meets these uh, Christians for the first time, or the first time that we see him encounter Christians um, in Acts chapter 7, where he is uh, holding the cloaks uh, for uh, the people that are uh, stoning Stephen to death. Um, you know, and he's doing that with pride because... Uh, he feels like uh, he's got to be zealous for God, right? He's got to protect God's honor and, and make sure uh, that all the laws are kept and that these, uh, these Christian heretics um, uh, will stop spreading this blasphemy. And, and so for, for, uh, for Paul, you know, the law is a very important thing. And, and I don't think when he uh, begins to follow Jesus that he just sets the entire law um, on, on like the side, like it's not something that's to be honored at all. Um, but at the same time, like Paul is understanding his audience and uh, he's understanding that uh, because the gospel is not a thing that's to be limited to just the Jewish followers of Jesus uh, anymore, it's something that belongs to uh, the whole world um, that, that, some of the law that was just required for um, the Israelites may not be applicable to uh, the Gentiles. That's what we call non-Jewish people. And so um, what we have here is, is sort of a, a switch in, uh, in understanding. Um, you know, really it's a question of soteriology. That's what we would, that's our, your $5 church word of the day. Maybe we should start like a, 
a category. Like we have departments on our show. Five dollars church word of the day is soteriology. Um, but that's just the the understanding of how salvation occurs, or um, the study of salvation. And, and for the Jews, they have uh, an understanding of uh, God cutting a covenant with them, right? Like God is, is has established Israel as 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 His covenant people, and that when they violate that covenant, there are uh, specific uh, uh, punishments that happen, right? It's a lot of, of the conquering that happened. That we talked about earlier, a lot of that was because, uh, or it was every time, actually every single time, it was because Israel, uh, the people of of uh, God's own people, did not live according to God's own law, um, and so uh, the covenant is established, and then the Torah is established to help them keep in covenant with God, right? And and so we usually translate that word as law. Um, it can be used in other senses, though, like as well, like a kind instruction is. Like if you if you've heard of Proverbs 31 and, and the uh, it says that the, the 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 Proverbs 31 wife will offer her husband kind Torah right and so it's not just an it's not just a uh, a um, a law thing I mean uh, we can make 21st century jokes about wives laying down the law for their husbands but uh, really that wouldn't have worked in the ancient world quite the same way but but kind instruction as well so people are supposed to live according to uh, this Torah in order to keep the covenant. Uh, and we know that through Jesus, this new covenant has been established um, that fulfills all of the old covenant. And a new law is written on people's hearts that uh, overrides the laws that, that were there before in some ways, right? Um, so what we see here is is really... Paul trying to expand uh, this covenant law thing um, in a, to a, a place where it can be applicable to Gentiles without ha them having to do the things that uh, Jewish people did. Like, uh, you know, there's like 600 plus commandments that you're supposed to follow and there are dietary laws and restrictions. There's, uh, you know, you're supposed to keep pure by not going into Gentiles houses and things like that. Um, and, and a lot of things that um, I think that the Spirit had been leading the church through Paul to say, um, these are not things that we need to worry about or focus on for non-Jewish people. That uh, if you want to have be in right relationship with Jesus, it comes down to faith. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it, it comes down to faith, and uh, I think uh, a lot of what Paul's doing here is what you're talking about. Is he's 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 very cognizant, of course, of what the old Jewish law had been. He'd lived under that. Uh, he'd been a zealous Jew uh, in his faith, and his uh, you know he'd been the what we call the chief persecutor of the Christians or the way. Right. But now he says he come he is you know when he has his experience on the road to Damascus, it doesn't just change him intellectually, it changes his heart, and in the changing of his heart, he realizes that that faith is not just a a mental exercise of keeping rules and laws, but now it's a matter of 
the heart. It's a spiritual exercise of the heart and the feeling side of who we are. And in doing that, in that change, then it prepares him, if you will, for taking this gospel out even wider than it could have gone before because he now has this uh, deeper understanding of the faith that draws further than just the law but to the very heart of his core and his heart being tied to that of Jesus. And, uh, you know, uh, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Mm. Uh, and so it's uh, the message of faith is to be preached and lived through your mouth, but also through your entire being, because if it's in your heart, that's the core uh, of who you are. And that was the core of how people understood who people were in that day is their hearts. And so, uh, you know, uh, which then as you take this out, yes, it becomes, you know, certain laws uh, aren't really as important as uh, that giant uh, Torah law uh, that had almost every minutia of life mm -hmm. uh, had a boundary on it um, uh, to the point that it became very restrictive. Uh, some of that goes away or gets sort of sidelined and you know, the priorities of the law become clear when we speak from our heart. I, I once uh, remember years ago uh, thinking of the law in this way, not as so much restrictive as like if we, if you're a locomotive going down a railroad track, if they remove the track, if the track, if the rails are the law, uh, if you take the law away, what happens to the train? Right, it crashes. It crashes. It stops dead. It can't go anywhere. So law is necessary uh, in a sense that it's like the rails on the track, uh, but it's the heart of the law or the heart that defines the direction those rails go. And it's having a heart for Jesus and a heart for God. And so I think what Paul's getting at here is that, yeah, the law is still important then there's this whole element of the heart and faith and faith is really the driver, if you will, or maybe it's the steam and the steam engine of the locomotive that drives that locomotive forward down the law, down the, down the rails. And, uh, so anyway, so then it goes out into the whole world. Uh, and it's not just defined by the minutia of the rules as it is by the heart of the relationship of faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I grew up in a tradition that uh, was really big on the teachings of Martin Luther. Mm -hmm. And uh, Luther, uh, if, you, if you guys haven't heard of Luther, he's, he started the Reformation. You should Google it. Um, pretty important, uh, pretty, pretty important uh, piece of history in the church. Um, but one of the, his defining theological characteristics was uh, he believed that uh, all of Scripture could be divided into two areas, law and gospel, and that the law was only there to show us that we couldn't uh, earn our salvation, and the gospel was there to show us that Jesus could uh, give it to us, right? Um, and, and there's a little bit more nuance to that uh, than, than what I, I'm saying here. I'm not, I hope you don't know I'm not trying to 
create a straw man argument. But I think it goes, it really does go beyond that. Like, I don't think God established the Torah. You know, I don't think God established the covenant and the law uh, just so he could like say, look at how terrible you guys are. Uh, like uh, God goes way beyond that, um, and 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 the the law itself goes beyond just the idea of of soteriology, beyond the idea of just salvation. It's for right living between human beings, and it's it's for establishing right relationship with God. But I do I do think uh, that that Luther is right in, in when he says that you know no human could really keep the law um, in a way that affects their salvation. And, and so uh, if I'm looking at the ancient problem here, um, I would say that, that uh, yeah, that, that is still the problem everybody's worried about is this, uh, who is going to be saved and how is that going to happen? And uh, I think that the general understanding is that the world was in need of salvation then uh, and that uh, the world's in self need of salvation now, but we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> But the idea is that, uh, you know, if we can't do this on our own, what are we doing? How do we, how do we make this happen? And, uh, you know, Jesus is the one that makes that possible through his, uh, his work on the cross. And we have access to that work um, through believing in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead and uh, declaring with our mouths, uh, that uh, Jesus is Lord, right? Um, that is, uh, that's, a, that's a, a whole lot different than having to keep 600 laws every day for the rest of our lives. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the solution certainly is that we put our faith, uh, you know, all who call on the Lord's name will be saved. I mean, there you have it. And, uh, I think, yeah, Luther, Luther was, uh, we used to say, uh, sola fide, only in faith, only faith is all that matters. Right. Not works at all. I mean, and, uh, but we understand really that, that works are essential because where works come forth is from the conversion of the heart, then the works come forth from that converted heart. And so the, the desire to keep the law is not something we do mentally, it's something that comes forth from a converted heart, converted and contrite heart. And so, you know, he's saying, here's the solution, guys. No, you probably can't keep all the minutia of the law. No one can. But here is where Jesus comes in, and Jesus makes a way. Uh, and the way is into your heart. And when you are able to have Jesus in your heart, when you find faith in him, uh, you won't be put to shame. Uh, and then through that faith, uh, you will find salvation. And then out of salvation, the works do follow. Yeah. And, you know, I go back to that. Those, those, oh. those, go ahead. Sorry. No, you, your, uh, your internet hiccuped and I thought you were done. So I started to jump in. Oh, well, there you go. Say what you were going to say. Well, I, I just think, uh, I think for those folks that were hearing this, uh, they're in that first century, those first century young Christ, new Christian converts hearing this, that had to be a tremendous uh, point of assurance for them to hear, especially from a guy like Paul, who'd walked the road of the, 
of the minutia of the law. And now he's coming back and saying to him, hold it, but, but really the key here is your faith in Jesus because they, they had that. They, they discovered Jesus. They had found Jesus and they connected with Jesus and they had, you know, yielded their lives to Jesus. But then they said, oh, but by the way, there's this law issue out here. And all of a sudden they realized that, well, no, you've done the essential things, what Paul's saying here to them, because you have, uh, you know, you have placed your faith in Jesus and all the rest will follow and work out. And, you know, I, I just think for those folks there, it's like, wow, okay, I, I am on the right path. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're in the grocery store, or we used to be in the grocery store, uh, you go down the road aisle and you go down one aisle after another looking for something. And it's really, uh, you're really confused about things, but then you get to the right aisle and it's like, Oh good. I finally found what I've been looking for right, it's right here on this aisle, you know? And so it's sort of like, yeah, you already found it and you didn't even know you'd found it fully. Yeah. Because I, I see, uh, I see that the kind of, there's a, there's a two part answer to this ancient, you know, problem like the, I guess the ancient problem is, is how, how am I to be saved uh, or how are people to be saved? And, you know, the, the first part is that is, yeah, like that understanding of uh, Jesus being the way. But then I, I think what's really interesting, what happens in verse 14 and 15, um, you know, is, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news, right? So, uh, you know, the, the two-part answer is, yeah, believe the gospel, believe in what Jesus has done for you. But then the second part of that answer is we have to be people that go and share the gospel. And I really, I looked really hard in these verses and I checked multiple translations. I don't see the part where it says uh, that, your preacher or your pastor or your priest is supposed to go do that. Right. Uh, is this a command for all believers, Mark? That's right. Not just, not just the paid professionals. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, that, that's it. Is that you know, uh, faith uh, always has to lead to action. Right. And uh, you know, Basically, what Paul's doing here is he's in 14 and 15, he's giving a great commission to these mm -hmm. people. Yeah. He's saying, you know, now that you know, now that we got this thing worked out with the law and faith, and you know that you're 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 saved through faith in Jesus Christ, now your job's to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he doesn't say it that way, but it, you know, it's basically what he's saying is, is you've been commissioned, you've been called, and you're being sent. And you don't have to go to seminary to be called and sent, okay? And I right. think, you know, we'll get to this in a minute, but that, that's, that's the niche not only of, that's the, 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 the ending for the, moder the ancient problem, but it's also the calling for the modern as well. Yeah, which I guess is a good transition point, right? Like, right. Uh, I, I, see, uh, I see personally, like, this scripture speaks just as much today as it did back then, if not maybe more, right? And I think it's because of some of the, the things that we do as a modern church that are, that are sort of backwards, right? Like I read this part where um, it says, uh, if you 
declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Like, I think there are, you know, I, I've been in so many, uh, you know, uh, borderline spiritually abusive situations where, you know, uh, there's a lot of pressure for people to say that Jesus is Lord, but not, not, uh, not any real desire to give them that understanding of Jesus, uh, you know, being raised from the dead in their hearts, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I, I remember hearing things like, uh, you know, I was at a youth camp one time and, uh, the, you know, the speaker at the camp was, was telling kids like, there's no such thing as a secret agent Christian. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta tell everyone if you're going to follow Jesus. And, and I actually, I think I probably said that before too, because I do believe it on some level. <laughs> Um, you know that that you should be willing to confess that Jesus is your Lord. That's the whole the the whole countercultural thing of declaring who your mm-hmm. Lord is. Um, but it's got to accompany actual faith in Jesus, right? right? There's no magic spell that saves us from eternal damnation. It's not like you know, like it's not like uh, we're Gandalf and we have uh, you know, wait, I, for this generation, it's not like we're Dumbledore. Uh, we can say some magic words like i declare that jesus is my lord and we're saved from you know eternal damnation like that misses the point entirely right yeah i mean it's uh, it's a conversion that occurs and occurs in our very core of our being and out of that then action takes place right but just to try to go through the motions if you will uh, you know, uh, just to say, okay, well, if I just do this, 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 then by golly, I'll qualify for salvation. Right. Uh, it, you know, it's not just a checkoff list. It's not, you, you have to actually yield yourself and put your faith and trust and hope in Christ as Lord, which by the way, means leader. Uh, in in the Greek translation, uh, you have to make Christ the leader of your life, not just the leader of uh, when you're in church or when you're listening to silly podcasts like this one, or <laughs> when you're, you know, or listening to some Christian music on the radio, which are all good things. But the Lord of your life means He's Lord of every part of your life, right? And that, and that requires a conversion of the heart, and uh, and that's that's uh, that that's a harder piece than just checking a few things off a list from time to time. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's a little bit different, uh, to say I'm giving all that I know and understand of myself to all that I know and understand of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a little bit different than saying, uh, I am saying these magic words so that I will not die forever right you know and that's that that takes us back sort of to the ancient problem because that had sort of become part of the problem with the jewish faith is is people were just doing the things they were going through the motions but the heart of it wasn't there anymore in a lot of places and uh so their struggle is our struggle Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think, I think that's the funniest thing that we, we often don't realize is we think we're New Testament Christians. So, uh-huh. you know, we're somehow, you know, we've moved beyond all this. But 
we really are the same place and have the same, many of the same struggles as the Old Testament Jews did and, and the early Christians certainly, uh, even in this modern age. Uh, because we still want to, you know, um, do these five things that'll make it good. And, uh, you know, uh, we sometimes as ministers get called and say, you know, how do I fix this? You know, tell me what to do, what, what, right. what to do. And so much of it is not what to do as it is about getting refocused and reconnected with God and getting your faith reconnected with Jesus. And then you'll do what's right because it will come from your heart and the conversion of your heart. And, uh, so, you know, uh, the minutia is still available to us in this day and time. <laughs> and to get caught up in the minutia is an easy piece to work in the Christian faith today. Yeah, and, and at the same time, uh, we have a God who uh, this scripture declares gives generously to all who call on him. Right. All right, and, and, and that, that's... Uh, the heart of this passage is really about uh, relationship, right? Like this God is close in these passages. God um, is at work in these passages, you know, like uh, early on in verses six and seven, it's, it says, you know, don't uh, say in your heart, who's going to go to heaven. And then don't say, uh, you know, uh, who will go down to the place of the dead, right? Like don't, don't uh, try to uh, put Christ, uh, in other locations, but understand that Christ is here, uh, right? Like understand that Christ is working and that Christ is close. You know, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart, right? Like that's, that's, uh, that access to God, um, that level of relationship with God, that, that deeply rooted desire to be near God and to, uh, do the things that God uh, would do in a situation and to be the person Jesus would be in a situation like that's a very real and intimate way of looking at life that goes so far beyond rule following and so far beyond magic spells and so far beyond even like our normal concepts of salvation, right? Like um, John Wesley, uh, who, uh, was, uh, you know, pretty big in uh, founding the United Methodist Church. Um, his understanding of salvation uh, was not, you know, the, like the, the soteriology, the study of salvation that we've been talking about. He would not have said that it ends with us going to heaven someday. Um, but he would say that it continues until we are perfected into the image of Jesus Christ, right? Until we look like Jesus, the work of salvation has not been completed in us. And so uh, that, that is both more challenging and in a way um, extremely comforting too, because um, I don't want the me that I am right now running around having and messing it up. <laughs> yeah, the question is, uh, that Wesley always asked his ministers was, are you moving on to perfection? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, 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 it's moving on to that perfect love uh, that only comes through uh, your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you move into that perfect love, 
which is the ultimate goal, is then you walk in perfect harmony with Christ in everything you do and everything you say. And until then, we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle. Right. And, and uh, back to that train going down into tracks, if our destiny at the end of that tracks is perfection of love, then we go down those tracks toward that in all we're about. And uh, I think I think for Wesley, you know, Wesley believed that, that faith without works was dead. Right. Uh, he, he believed strongly, and that that you know our deeds uh, came from our heart, and uh, that as we behaved in certain ways, we were reflecting the Christ that lived within our hearts into the world. And uh, I think that's the calling of every Christian. Uh, is to live your faith deep in Christ, live your life deep in Christ. And it's, it's that, that all that should move into outwardly expression. You know, I, there are people that get so worried about getting it right that they can't get out in living the faith out in the outwardly expression because they're worried about doing it right all the time. And, uh, you know, they, you know, and I, I shouldn't say this, I'm a minister, but this is unsanctimonious. <laughs> uh, you know, if you've taken 30 million Bible studies, but you've never served, mm -hmm. then you probably have missed it somewhere. Right. Because the conversion of the heart, faith in Jesus always moves us out into action and it always bears fruit. And, uh, you know, Wesley was big on talking about the fruit we bear and, uh, you know, the fruit we bear, how we reach out, how we connect, how we serve, how we love our neighbors and how we share the good news. And uh, so I think, you know, uh, uh, Paul was saying this much the same message to that first century Christians in Rome. Wesley said it, uh, you know, in the... Uh, uh, in 17th century England uh, and here in America on his uh, ill-fated voyage over here. And, uh, uh, and we still say it today and we still struggle with it today is uh, that whole concept that, that it's all about faith in Jesus that moves us as our hearts are converted toward actions of love and grace and mercy into the world. And that seems like a beautiful place for us to end this week with uh, this challenge hanging over our heads of perfection, but the realization that it is Christ working through us that makes us, uh, makes us perfect. So uh, thank you guys for listening to us this week. You can find uh, resources for um, studying scripture with us. Uh, we, ha we have a, a website called unsanctimonious.com. It's got daily scripture readings. It's got a forum. Um, it's got links to this podcast. So if you're just looking for an easy place to hit play, you can go and do that. Um, but yeah, don't, uh, don't just take our word for it, right? Uh, go out there and read scripture yourself. And hopefully you'll find it illuminating. And I know that the Holy Spirit will be 
uh, speaking to you as you encounter those scriptures and maybe cause you to uh, have realizations that you didn't know you would have about scripture or maybe even cause you to ask questions that you didn't know you had about scripture. That can be part of the process of faith as well. So Mark, any last words you'd like to to, uh, throw out to the listeners before we go this week? You know, I think uh, the thing is, is to go in faith and go in knowledge of the love of Christ that has been poured out in this intimate relationship that he has given to each of us and go forth in knowledge of that relationship and live out of that in all that you're about. And uh, you won't be perfect, but you may have moments where you're perfect in the love of Christ. And that's what counts. Amen. All right, guys, we love you and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.